Hi, this is Stephen Jen, and thanks for tuning in once again to How I Met Your Podcast. How are you doing this evening, Jen? I'm good. How about yourself? Doing very well, drinking a little iced coffee because it's been a long day and haven't gotten much sleep this week, but I'm glad to be taking care of this podcast before we go out of town to New Orleans this weekend. Yeah, very exciting. So just to fill everyone in on that, for work... My company is doing our kickoff in New Orleans between Sunday and Wednesday this this upcoming weekend. And Jen decided it would be a good time to take a vacation and bring our son down. And we're going to go a day early and spend a few days there. Well, I'll only get about a day and a half with the family. And then I have to do my work stuff. And then I pretty much will only see them when I'm coming in at the end of the night around 10 p.m. And hopefully they'll already be, in, be asleep. But I terribly doubt it knowing... Tyler's sleep schedules when we travel, but looking forward to that trip, and we're waiting on word tonight for a big trip to Guatemala this summer, and uh, waiting to hear back on whether uh, whether it's available to us, so hopefully we'll hear about that soon and be able to celebrate. And we might actually get an update while we're recording. You could find out in real time, fans of the podcast. Now, when you say real time, wouldn't they have to be listening to us live? Just, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So this is uh, season one, episode two, called The Purple Giraffe. And they try and make, I think, they try and get a lot of mileage out of the purple giraffe metaphor. And we'll talk about that a little more. I think it's, they're trying to be a little too clever for their own good with that. But you know, I don't want... reaching a bit. I, I don't, although I loved the Seinfeld podcast we listened to, I thought they spent a little too much time on how apt each title for each episode was. I was just thinking about what would an alternate title for this episode be? Oh, and they're actually pretty good at it, I think. They're they're very good at, at the quote-unquote branding, especially Rob Cesarnino, but, and, and I'm not so great at that. However, yeah, I wouldn't want to go down that rabbit hole each week like they did. Yeah. I'm just going to throw out a couple just because I have some. Oh, really? Hey, okay. I'm just, I'm just well, thinking of a few. Well, this is unexpected, and I don't have high hopes, so you can only go <laughs> up from here. Well, I'm kind of in a little Seinfeldy mood, so I have the party or the parties. I know, so I have something to do with Carlos, like just Carlos or girl who works with Carlos. I don't know. Carlos is a theme more so, I think, than the purple giraffe. I will say that the purple giraffe is starting to sound better to me now. <laughs> Why can't you just support me? Well, I can't, I'm not going to say I could do any better, but I also didn't really put much thought into it. So. I mean, I came up with those five seconds before I started talking, so. So, okay, let's let's give initial impressions of this episode. You just finished it. I just watched it for the second time because when I listened to our first recording of season one, episode one, I realized that having three or four days since I saw it and took notes was really problematic. And I would look at my notes and try and remember what I meant by what I wrote down because I was jotting things fairly quickly, even though I, you know, I had access to a pause button. But I wanted to try and fix that this week, so I did this early in the, earlier in the week, and then I watched it again tonight very quickly and just sort of got the rhythm back into my head. But uh, go ahead and tell me what you thought of the episode. I liked it overall. There's still um, more of those cringeworthy moments from Marshall that I really, really hated. But overall, I, I like this episode. I think it's funny. It gives us a few more recurring themes that we see throughout the series. So overall, I mean, I think it's good for a second episode. It's not nearly as good as How I Met Your Mother Gets down the road. but Right. Hang in there, 
first-time listeners, although we give so many spoilers, I, I doubt people are going to want to tune into us too often. But I want to say that this episode was much better than the first. I think it was a good rebound from what I didn't think was a very good pilot. And I th- I can't remember off the top of my head. It was the first one was ranked in the one sixties. Yeah, it was pretty low. Out of one hundred ninety eight or so, and this one I ranked one hundred seven. So this was a huge jump. It's moving in the right direction. And I think for the most part it gets better this season. Although uh, we'll talk about what the next episode's going to be uh, when oh, we're finished with this one. I don't. I saw the title of it when I was. Picking out this one, I feel like I don't care much for the next yeah. one, but we'll see. It's not great. Perhaps it will grow on me as I watch it again. So, I want to start off with a fun fact. Oh, I love fun facts. You know what's, what's great about fun facts? How fun, fun they are. They are. Yeah. You know who loves fun facts? Jen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a bit, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I, I was doing, you know, going through some trivia that you can find online about the show, not like asking you a question, not um, trivial pursuit or Jeopardy kind of trivia, but just, you know, a list of trivial kind of facts about the show. And I quickly came across that this show had had won 30 Emmys. And I was blown away because you and I watch pretty much all the main award shows yep. every year. We watch the Oscars, Emmys, and uh, Golden Globes, as we did last night. Pretty much every year, all three of those. You you even watch, I think. The, I usually watch the Grammys. You watch the Grammys. I don't. Do you watch the Tonys? Or are you starting to watch the Tonys? Um, I watch the Tonys the year Hamilton won, and then I'll. I usually record the Tonys to fast forward to the performances I want to see, but oh, I don't watch the whole thing. Well, that's fun. I stop at the main three, and so I got really excited, thinking, man, maybe I wasn't a big enough fan of the show at the time to really pay attention to who who of them were being nominated and winning. And then I was very, I hate to say this, but disappointed to notice that every single win, and it wasn't even nominations, it was just win, 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 win every year on light and sound. I was going to say, was it like a bunch of technical stuff that nobody really pays attention to and they don't actually put in the broadcast? Right. These these are the ones where they do the alternative broadcast. And uh, I did notice that Neil Patrick Harris got nominated four years for four years, but never won it. Was he the only one? Yes, he huh. was. I think. What about He's like the... writing or? Anything? No, I didn't see anything for writing. Wow, that is surprising. What about yeah. Golden Globes? I don't know if I scrolled down far enough for Golden Globes. I just kind of stuck at the Emmys. So I, maybe I'll look back at that, but I I wouldn't expect anything different from those results. Hmm. Yeah, that's surprising. So I always found the writing on the show to be really good, but I guess. The Emmys, I feel like, take it episode by episode, whereas I feel like this show has great episodes, but it also works in such a long form. It's it's the strands that connect it throughout the different seasons right. that really service it very well. And as we've mentioned, it sort of does that better than any other sitcom we've ever seen, uh, even a little bit better than I think Seinfeld does it, where Seinfeld has a lot of callbacks. Uh, oh, yeah, I'd say mother. much more... In How I Met Your Mother than Seinfeld. Yeah, and they do, I mentioned it last week, and they do a really good job on doing flashbacks and flashbacks so and callbacks all in one. And there's a lot of threads they put together, and I think it makes the show probably one of the most clever that exists over time. So what you're saying is they win the Runkle Golden Globe. 
in the in the time frame that they were in, most of the seasons they probably would have. I know you're joking, but that could become <laughs> a thing. It's totally going to be a thing. So one of the questions we had last week was, what is the what is the deal with the kids? Is this supposed to be one long story that he's telling them constantly in one strand, or is this every day he's telling them a little more? I did take notice that the clothes were much different in hmm. this episode than they were in the last when he opens up with the kids. So Yeah, but that could also be pilot to second well, episode. I don't know. Yeah, I mean We'll check yeah. again next week. I actually yeah. wrote down what the what the clothes were for this last episode. So that'll be an easy thing to check on and I, I don't was think trying so. to do that and then I figured you would so I didn't. I'm guessing that it might not be different every single episode. Right, but maybe every so often. And I wonder if we find that they there are some repeats of outfits if there's a coincidence in what that story's about or if it connects to another story where they have the same clothes on. So maybe we'll we'll try and dig into that. My guess is not so much. It's probably going to be different outfits. Or I wonder if they, you know, because they shot them all up front when the show started and then just showed a different one each each episode... I wonder if they kind of did as many as they could in one outfit. Right. And I wonder, too, we should pay attention to the responses to see if they're just all super generic or if there's any, like, actual reference to anything that happens where it's like, oh, my God, Dad, I can't believe you did that, or what? <laughs> and like this one, it was a what? Right. Or a cringe <laughs> when they he reminded them, we open up with him reminding them that he had met Robin and said, I love you, and the kids had their reaction again. Right. So to what might seem like really good plotting ahead of time with the kids might just be nine episodes, or nine seasons worth of reaction shots. You know what? I hadn't thought of that, <laughs> even though, yeah, sometimes they... And they're, they don't have huge roles on this show, so no. I'm not expecting a lot of acting from them. So I, that's going to be hard to figure out, but yeah, that is something I want to watch for, so I'll, I'll make a note of that. So... In this in this episode, we have several different plots that intermix with each other, and that's another thing they do pretty well is that the stories tend to blend into each other. That's something that over time Seinfeld learned to do, and I think others started to copy that format of eventually the stories were will intermingle, and this is an example of that where the stories sort of bleed into each other. But we have Ted sort of revisiting the idea of trying to get Robin as a girlfriend. We have Barney trying to influence him the other way and then having his own little tryst with a woman that ends up being somewhat interesting. And then we have Lily and Marshall with Lily because of the recent engagement being super horny and constantly trying to influence him into the bedroom and Marshall trying to get some work done despite her horniness and Ted's desperate attempts to throw parties and attract Robin over to their house. Can we come up with another word? Then horny? Yes, please. Why? I don't know. It's maybe Is that your cringe. moist? It might be. Horny. Horny. <laughs> horny. Okay, horny. yeah, we've determined it. It is my moist. Let's not say that word ever again. It's... Randy? Just in the mood? DTF? There you go. I mean, okay. We're talking... <laughs> what was Jersey Shore? Late 2000s? Yes. So we might be a little pre-DTF, but I prefer that. Okay. So she's very DTF. Look it up. <laughs> we start off at the bar with Ted and Marshall walking in and Ted re- revisiting the whole Robin episode and talking about her as if I'm over that. You know, Never going to see her again. 
Yeah, and it's it's the whole approach of I wasn't in love with her. I was in love with the idea of her, which is a common theme in in, in shows and in real life, actually, probably. So they they do the cute little thing of him saying her name at the end of a sentence and her being right there sitting with Lily having a conversation. And how did they meet? How Why are her and Lily together? Um, they don't really explain it all that much. Like, was Robin by the bar? Just says, oh, Lily recognized me from, the, from news. the news. But we don't really get an actual explanation of from where. Again, I don't have a good sense of where Robin lives or works in relation to where... Ted and Marshall and Lily all live, so I don't know. They met up somehow. Well, I think the implication is they ran into each other at McLaren's. Lily recognized her from the news and from Ted's constantly talking about her and pointing her out on TV. Yeah, I guess that's that makes sense that she could be back at McLaren's. So if she's back at McLaren's, I mean, she knows that's where Ted hangs out. Right. She knows that he lives right above it. Right. So, so she's not not trying to see him. Exactly. And when they bump into each other immediately, she gives them what I'm going to call the bedroom eyes, <laughs> which is that, hi, and that same sort of sparkly look that, that she gave him the night of the signal. Did you notice that? I guess so, but, I mean, it's not surprising because, you know, two minutes later or whatever, we find out that, you know, she kind of confesses that she you know, likes Ted a little bit. So that's one of the... Things that we'll see a lot of callbacks to. Uh, one of Lily's outstanding traits. <laughs> yes. Lily which, can't keep a secret. Ever. Exactly. And it usually pro- plays pretty well. Yes. And there's always a big, uh, oops, you know, <laughs> moment from her. And she squeaked. I wrote that down, which I thought was funny. So Ted talks about how, I think he was talking about how he's moving on, and then she gives a little squeal, saying, you know, revealing that she knows something that he doesn't at this point. Yeah, I think it was something of like, okay, I'm not going to pursue Robin. She doesn't want what I want. Something along those lines. Yeah, I just watched this 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do a flashback to Robin and Lily's one-on-one conversation. I I wonder if Lily... This might just be a plot device, putting them together. But I wonder if Lily approached her to try and get a feel for Ted, not because, hey, I recognize you on the news... Oh, yeah. No, of course. Lily's very nosy. So she asks, <clears throat> what are our thoughts on Ted? And Rob confesses that he's great. She would really like to be with him. But she's just not in that place, uh, we'll call it relationshipy place, where she can tell that he's looking for someone to settle down with. And Ted really needs to, like, slow his role. Like, you can just date someone. You don't have to be like, oh, my God, we need to get married and have kids. That's totally what I want. Like, just... Date someone. <laughs> yeah, and they're very inconsistent with this over the years of... He goes back and forth on this a lot. And that, maybe that's just life. And I remember when I got out of college, I met someone right away. And she lived in Houston. We've I've mentioned this one to you where we dated long distance for mm-hmm. about six months. She decided that she wanted to change you know, her life and suggested that she might move up here, which I was very excited about. So I flew down there and helped her move up to the D.C. area, helped her find an apartment, a job. And I was living with my mom for the first year out of school. So that was in Maryland. She got a place in Northern Virginia. So we would have been about 30 to 40 minutes apart. 
But in my mind, I was thinking, okay, so she's getting an apartment. This will be a place where I'm going to be staying most of the time now. We've been seeing each other long distance for six months. I'm 22 years old at this point. She's 23, I think. And, you know, this will be sort of an instant girlfriend, an instant us being together all the time. That's what I really wanted at that time. (laughs) And I found out not too long after she moved, that's not what she had in mind. (laughs) You guys didn't have this conversation before she moved. Hey, we were 22 and 23. Who's ha- Who has those conversations at that age? You're just kind of lead with I had that instinct. conversation at 22. Okay. So you're Miss Perfect. I am. But we clearly were not at that maturity level. <laughs> Anyways, it went on. We dated about six months, and the last two were pretty much me trying to talk her into staying into the relationship. It wasn't a good situation, but... Yeah, it's not a good look. No, I was I was Ted, and I never... I didn't do the premature I love you, but I know where this comes from because then later on I didn't want something serious with anybody, and I went back and forth. So this is, this is true to life. He's inconsistent. Yeah, no, and that's fine. You can do it in your own head, but I don't know that it makes a ton of sense to like, hey, I just met you. Let's get married and have kids. I... Hear a whiny boy. Is that him reading loud? Or is that him needing somebody? I think it's him reading loud, so we'll keep going. Yeah. So at any rate, you're right. He, For most of the show, he is a little too desperate. And it's written all over him. He has no way to hide it. But this time, in this episode, he approaches this as in, I'm going to play the game. Okay, I do want her. I do want to pursue this. So... If I need to play the game, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to be casual. I'm going to be a mushroom cloud of casual. And I think this leads to some pretty good material. Yes. <laughs> You'll be the most casual stalker ever. And I thought that line was just okay. I did like what shortly followed, which is Lily or Barney mentioning to Lily that she's been rubbing his leg. That he says, that's my leg you've been rubbing. And she said, it's been five minutes. See, and I found that to be extraordinarily ridiculous because he's sitting across from her. There's no way that she's confusing his leg with Marshall's leg. Marshall is sitting right next to her. Yeah, but Marshall has very long legs, so it's reasonable that if she's... No, the angle would be all wrong. It's... No. (laughs) Just no. And I do have a note that, like... When Ted and Marshall get to the bar, Marshall and Lily just immediately start making out. Right. (laughs) It's gross. It's really gross. And also, they've been together like 10 years. I don't care if you just got engaged. Nobody acts like that. I don't know when it happened to me. Because I I feel like when I was a teenager in my 20s, I really liked TV makeouts and sex (laughs) and stuff like that. And now it just... I, I don't care if it's... Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. They're yeah, divorced. Yeah, I'm timing my... This isn't very well-timed. I don't care if it's Dolly Parton and, and Burt Reynolds, for God's sakes. Um, holy Dolly crow. Parton's been married for like 50 years. Your examples are all off. I think I would say Lonnie Anderson and, and <laughs> Burt Reynolds, because they were, they were a couple. But at any rate... And now he's dead. I don't... I don't like seeing it anymore. It really kind of grosses me out no matter who it is. And I, it's because you're a dad. <laughs> maybe. I just don't, I don't find it enjoyable viewing. But I'm not against it. I'm not stodgy and I'm not the preacher from Footloose. <laughs> You'll hear that reference every now and then because I'm a big Footloose fan. But I, I could have done without that. 
Yeah, it was ridiculous, but... Did we, except for the night we met, Ted comes up with the idea that he needs a casual way (laughs) to draw her in. So he's going to throw a party. And he plans on doing it the following week, but he needs a way to introduce the party concept to Robin. Not by calling her... We're going to take a, let's take a pause there. We're going to take a quick break while we put our kid back to bed. Come here. And we are back. And we were talking about Ted casually trying to throw a party and trying to think of a way in which he could introduce the party to Robin without it seeming like it was planned. How does he do this? Apparently he just watches the news until she's on. Did he do that or was he just, she was just coincidentally on. I think there she she is. Yeah, I think she was just coincidentally on and... He recognized where she was, or she said where she was. She did say where she was. It was like 72nd in Columbus or something like that. Right, and so he apparently feels like it's close enough, and he takes off running. They show him running down the street. (laughs) Very Seinfeld-esque. And then he, as she's still broadcasting, you can, I think they actually show it from the TV. (laughs) You can see him all of a sudden coming into the shot, and then sort of moving back back out of it. It was pretty funny. (laughs) Yes, since we have a little kid in a crane machine going after a purple giraffe. And we know this little kid. We do. He is from the blind side. I don't remember his name. I meant to look that up. And yeah, he was in the blind side. He was in about half of a season of the TV show Friday Night Lights. He was in Friday Night Lights? Yeah. Yeah. He sort of idolized Tim Riggins and they moved in across the street. Then the Tim Riggins character ended up dating his mother. That part I don't remember, but I remember vaguely the little kid. Yeah, he's always very precocious. He he does a great job. He's very believable. <laughs> and one of our quotable lines, <laughs> he looks at Ted, you're all sweaty. Yeah, we use that one quite a bit, especially <laughs> if one of us is all sweaty. But just the little kid calling him out and exposing him for clearly having run or been doing some sort of activity that, that caused him to sweat. But that was a great, a really well-delivered line. And th- that's the kind of way that kid always delivers line. But it's it's... It's adorable. Whatever he's in, yeah, you really enjoy cute. his performances. And I haven't, I didn't really try and look up what he's doing now, and now I wish I had. But I I think he probably was just one of those kids that outgrew his cuteness and maybe didn't have the chops to do other things. Or maybe he's doing a lot of stuff and we and don't see you everything. You just don't know. That's a wonderful question. You look him up while I continue on with uh, the conversation. All right. See, we could have had Tyler in to do a cameo about, or an educational segment about giraffes. Mm-hmm. I think I want people to like us as us before we start doing the, we're a sitcom in, in season eight and we need a cute, <laughs> need kid, a cute kid to, to keep it going. But we didn't add the kid. We already had him. So we're at Ted and Marshall's apartment now in the next scene. And we start. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I wanted to go back. Like one of my favorite things about the end of that scene where he in, ends up being like no the party's tonight and <laughs> invites her as he <laughs> leaves the store with like 10 things of dip right <laughs> that just like really makes me laugh so we're we're back at the apartment and we have an interaction between Lily Marshall and it's her first attempts in this episode to try and seduce him because she's all DTF and stuff yeah, I didn't write anything down about that because it was... Well, no, I'm sorry. I did write something down because it's that, like, super awkward. She's trying to seduce him. He's trying to resist. And then all of a sudden it cuts to Ted on the couch. Now, yeah. 
that's the big reveal here, that, and I was going to get into that. <laughs> but no, it's okay. You can say it first. But this starts many of what Jen, many incidents, incidents or instances of what Jen and I love, which is where they're telling a story of them doing something dirty and private, and it reveals that Ted was there and they knew it. <laughs> and they just ignore the fact and, that he's there. Yeah, and she's talking about how it's a shame she's wearing any clothes and you know, how she's not wearing her her panties and God, you are all over the horrible words tonight. What is wrong with you? You're the reverend from Footloose. <laughs> Who says panties? Like it's just yeah, no. When I met you, we made out in a casino in Vegas. What yeah. happened to that girl? We didn't talk I about miss her. panties and horniness. Yeah, remember our, you talked about your panties and I said Ew, the ones your mother laid oh out for God. you? <laughs> Seinfeld reference, Seinfeld reference. See, these are the problems we run into where he'll say something like that and then somebody's going to take it the wrong way because that is probably not so well-known Seinfeld reference. I think anyone that's watched Seinfeld even once through would know that line. That's, all, that's pretty unforgettable. Eh, I don't know about that, but yeah, this kid has not really been in anything... The Blind Side 2009, then Cody the Robo Sapien in 2013, Brave Town in 2015, and something called The Bachelors in 2017. So, so he's probably he's his, fallen off the map. He's probably in his late teens at this point, and he was born in '96. And I'm bad at math, but he just turned 21. And his name is December. His name is Jay Head. Head spelled like your head. J J A E could be J or J or it's hard to yeah. say. So yeah, he's twenty one now. Oh, he's twenty one. Yeah, born in ninety six. And if I and what what t- what generally seems to happen with a lot of these kid actors is you know they're they're fifteen years old playing seven because they're small true. and they're smart. So yeah, if this was well, if this was ninety five, so he would have been like eight or nine in this episode. So that's reasonable. And the point stands that, you know, he was he was of a certain age, playing a much younger age, probably. And then eventually, you know, they're 21 years old and they're still five feet tall and they're just kind of having trouble finding yeah, things. There's no news. Like, the last thing of news is from four years ago. Haley Joel Osment, I think, has done a pretty good job of rebounding from yeah. being that tiny kid actor playing someone much younger than his age and then... And obviously Dakota Fanning, but she's a. I think I think it might be a little easier for for girl actresses, yeah, I think because so. they don't need to grow tall to start becoming leading roles. But Haley Joel Osment, I mean, very awkward looking now. He, he he his career began with being very cute, and now he's almost a little uncomfortable to look at. But he's was it Silicon Valley that he was on recently? Was it? I think um, it was. Now I'm having trouble remembering. I'm, I'm usually three drinks in by the time we're watching Silicon Valley on a weekend night, so I'm having trouble remembering. Some I remember whatever it was, I think it was Silicon Valley, but whatever it was, he was good on the last thing we saw him on. He was funny. He had. He and was he was in the Honorage movie. I mean, it wasn't a great movie, but he was pretty good it. in it. You never, you still haven't seen it. I don't know. Maybe I, I think I've gotten you to see it. Yeah, it's, I probably did. It's it was okay. I feel like it was it's pretty. <laughs> It was unrememberable. Is that a word? Unremarkable, I would rather yeah. use. But it was it was fine. It was just one long episode of Entourage, yeah. really. With with a lot of unnecessary cameos. Like, hey, there's... Um, oh, what's his name from Taken? Uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> and all of, 
they, hey, Liam, and then Liam gives him the finger and then drives off. That's his cameo. They had a lot of those where someone has, like, one line and then disappears. Yeah, that does sound familiar now that you say that. So we're at the party. Oh, no. Um, no, we're at the party. Yeah, sorry. No, wait. <laughs> We've gotten off track. So, so we have the Ted where he delivers the guy's boundaries, <laughs> and then we're going to get a lot of great ones. Um, that actually happened before they were at the bodega. And what happened with the kid at the bodega is he was trying to get a purple giraffe out of the claw machine. And he wasn't able to get it, so he crawled through the prize door and was able to somehow slip in there through the prize door. The reason I want to mention that before we move back you know, onto the party is that... The imagery comes back. Yeah, they, they try and create a metaphor out of this, and I think it's sort of a... It's a little weak. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's a, a very struggled metaphor. Yeah. So when he decides the party has to be the night, he calls up Marshall and Lily. They're in bed together, and he says, we're going to have the party in two hours, and then they go right to the party. And for two hours preparation, this party's packed. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Um, a lot of people apparently they don't know. So friends of friends, I guess, when you're... Desperate? I don't really yeah. know. And at this point, it doesn't seem unreasonable because they're, I think, in their late 20s in New yeah, York City. Yeah, mid to late. Yeah. And they might just have that many friends of, hey, what are you guys up to tonight? But as the show goes along, we learn that they really don't have any friends. Not they have many. a few. Yeah, they have a few people that pop in for one, maybe two episodes, and then that's it. So, you know, the, it's sort of ridiculous in hindsight that they were able to get pull this many people together. And... Marshall approaches Ted and says, makes it, calls him Gatsby. He says, so what's your plan here, Gatsby? Do you, do you get the reference? I mean, the great Gatsby. Well, yeah, but why he's calling him Gatsby? <laughs> See, that's the Seinfeld <laughs> understanding of the Gatsbys. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll talk about what the, what the significance is. Okay, so we're back. <clears throat> the reference to the Gatsbys. The character that played Gatsby... In either movie, the story's the same, or the book. God, I can't believe I said the movie. In the book, uh, and I forget I forget the main character's name outside of Gatsby, and that's not Jay. not his real name, but... Isn't he, it Jay Gatsby? Is it Jay Gatsby? I'm pretty sure. Are you sure it's not Frank Gatsby? I'm or pretty sure it's Jay Gatsby. Could be. At any rate, the whole premise is that he's trying to reunite with a woman that he oh, thought was yeah. too good for him. Jay In the Gatsby. past. Oh, good. Okay. And Daisy Buchanan? A woman that he thought was too good for him in the past. He he tra- He makes his fortune, and I won't go into the details of that, but then what he does is he buys the biggest house in their part of New York, Egg Harbor or something around there, uh, on Long Island, I suppose, and starts throwing these giant extravagant parties in hopes of drawing her into his house so that he can reveal himself to her. Oh, you just blew my mind. So this is the parallel here of he's throwing a party to try and attract in the woman. Then should have been called Gatsby. Yeah, I think that could have been pretty good. It's at least very clever. Although someone like you probably wouldn't have gotten it. went right over my head. So Ted goes through his plan. And they (laughs) they do this sort of, what would we call it? I I wrote it down. It's like, it's not a reenactment. It's a little bit of... Dubbing. Sort of a fantasy yeah. version of <laughs> how he sees things going. And it's shot like 
in more of a square, if you notice, there was like black all around. Oh, was there? Yeah. I, I don't think I noticed that, but the it, although they're mal- the actors are mouthing the words, it's actually Ted's voice, <laughs> sort of like Drunk History. Yeah. If you would. I think this was probably around before Drunk History, maybe. Okay. Pretty sure. 2005? Yeah, I think so. And so, I don't know, maybe Drunk History got it from this, who knows. <laughs> But it's funny. I liked it. I liked it especially because of the look on Ted's face as he's delivering all these nonchalant <laughs> lines. It's this very cartoony, I, I don't give an F look on his face. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to have my architecture stuff. And he's just yeah. like holding it. <laughs> look at my stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, the it plays out that he says hi to her. Oh, I, I didn't know you were here. And then he kind of shoes her away. And then she comes back an hour later. And he's like, oh. I didn't realize you were still here. Would you like to go to the roof? And apparently the roof is a big seduction Yes, apparently that's where everybody hooks up. And, you know, Barney rains on his parade and says, no, you should go to the roof. Here's the better plan. Go to the roof with the girl that you're talking to in your fantasy. And I like how he knows (laughs) how that she's hotter than Robin. Look at her, Ted. I th- <laughs> she breaks the fourth wall. She's like, thank you. Yeah, I like the way they, they played that out. No wonder they won Emmys for this kind of stuff. <laughs> the lighting was beautiful. But it, it is funny. I was thinking about one thing we should talk about at some point is because this is a How I Met Your Mother. I remember early on in our relationship, or at the point where we were starting to talk about marriage and kids, we would debate whether or not our story to them would be the honest truth of us meeting in Las Vegas. And I was thinking, you know, ah, maybe we don't want our kids to know that that's where we met. But I think it's a more interesting story than people that tell that they got set up or yeah, met no, online or we bumped into each other at a bar in the city we lived in. No, I think it's a very interesting story. Like Ted's dad's story of how his parents met. At a bar. <laughs> that's that's it? it? I think it was an Irish bar. <laughs> we'll get there. That's one of my favorite episodes, by the way. That's a great one. All right, so, so Bar- Barney's next plan. He scopes out, and I just, I wrote down cheesy scoping, like, two seconds before Lily calls him out. And oh, like, like a periscope yeah, thing. Doo, 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 doo. And I was just like, oh my god, it's so cheesy. But it's, like, funny cheesy, and then Lily... Like, <laughs> I didn't like it. Because it's such it's, a Barney thing to do. Sort of, but he gets so much better at it. They, they get so much better at writing these things for him, and at him performing them. Like, some of the the physical and facial and feats he pulls off as right. we go along gets so much more complicated. And I try and even, like, he makes a noise with his mouth, and I try to repeat it, so I can <laughs> never get it, this sort of whipping sound, like, right. thing. And I, he just gets so good at it that this, in retrospect, is very painful to watch. Well, to me, I think I, it's one of those ones that was, like, yeah, kind of fell into that painful Marshall makes all these terrible terrible like jokes that are not funny and so it started to go into that territory we're gonna come up to a couple of those shortly um but so it starts that way and and so when Marshall does it like everybody laughs like oh my god that's so funny ha 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 but Lily like calls us out like you're being a dork you mean when when Barney does it (laughs) yeah yeah so that's part of the problem with it is when the laugh track goes explodes at this horrible sight gag that they do and his idea is you know find the girl that nobody knows. There's always that girl at this party. Do you see that girl? Because after you're done with her, you never have to see her again. Right. But no, just going back to it, I just think it's funny that it was one of those ones that, like, yes, this is cheesy, but the show is recognizing, like, this is ridiculous behavior, and we're going to have Lily call him out and be like, you're a dork. That helps, yeah. but it doesn't solve it, in my opinion. 
makes it better than all of Marshall's terrible, terrible jokes. Yeah. I don't even know. Can you call them jokes? I don't know what they are, but I wish they'd stop. Yeah, but it's it's a bad pantomime of the, yeah. the periscope in the first place. <laughs> all right. So he picks out a girl and says, you know, do you know anybody here? You do... Do you guys know her? Do you know, does, does she know you guys that are throwing the party? Do you know anybody here? She knows Carlos. Hey, <laughs> she do you guys with Carlos girl. Yeah, that's right. She works <laughs> with Carlos. Marshall, Lily, Ted, do you guys know Carlos? No. Who so Carlos this is, is the girl, right. And Ted says, no thanks. He's going to wait on Robin. And so Barney takes the girl up to the roof. And Robin doesn't show up. All right, so we're going to skip to the next day. And Robin calls Ted, and what what cute little move does Ted kind of pull? Yes, Ted pulls the Meredith, like pretending he doesn't know. Did you write it down? Because that's a good job I remembering didn't. her I, name. I'm impressed. I remember it because of Grace. I, do, I, do, oh. good <laughs> I don't remember the next ones, but it's it's very ridiculous, especially in the world of cell phones that have caller ID. And I assume that Ted would have Robin's number in his phone. Like, you can't pretend to not know who's calling you. You're probably right. And, and it's but it such seems an to obvious work. ploy. It seems to work here. You think it works? I think she immediately knows what he's doing. If she does, she doesn't take a beat on it. So I don't think yeah. it worked because they could have had her make a face. Yeah, I, I think any woman with intelligence is going to know that <laughs> this is just him trying to pretend like he has more game to try and make her jealous. True. I don't. I don't know that she's quite onto him yet, and I. And you can kind of tell when she does kind of get onto it, and we'll get to that. But she says, you know, sorry, I couldn't make it. I couldn't get out of work, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And you know, too bad the party's not tonight. And of course, he jumps right. In. It is tonight. We had so much fun. We're gonna, you know, have another party. And I like the tra- because Marshall's trying to get a page, a paper written, like a twenty-page paper written for his uh, law school, and so. They're next to Ted as he's saying these things. And I like Ted's closing the phone. So that was Robin. <laughs> and they're clearly annoyed at him because Ted, March is about to get work done. Yep. So it was a good he, transition. He leaves to go get more dip. And one of my favorite lines, Marshall goes running after him, get French onion. Yeah. So that, that brings us to our recent time in Erie, Pennsylvania. We stayed on, at a lake house on the lake uh, to visit her family. A lake house on the lake? Yeah, I'm sorry, a beach house, actually a beach house on the beach on the lake, which was easy to get in the winter in Erie, but we were visiting Jen's family and we don't get potato chips and French onion dip at home because we would just devour it. It would, it would be our crack. And so we went grocery shopping when we got there and I bought potato chips and French onion dip because I figured, well... This is sort of vacation-esque. It's wintertime. We're not having to go out on, on the beach in our bathing suits. And the biggest thing of dip ever. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the little can the size that he gets at the bodega. It's, <laughs> it's like the five big, of those. It's like when you get a big thing of sour cream that comes in the, one of the bigger containers. That was the size of this. And we were only there for, what, four days? And I think it was gone after day two or three. Two or three, <laughs> yeah. And I remember one night even, we got back from like dinner with your family. Like, I can use a snack. <laughs> and just go go right for that. Man, and it was hard. Like, I wouldn't, even starting to get full on it, I wouldn't be able to put it away. It was seriously so like an intervention I would have to have with myself every time I was getting too far into it <laughs> because I just couldn't put it down. I had to force myself to walk away. So we are Marshall. I have written down that he <laughs> says he ate four cans of dip. 
Oh, yeah, he did. So that was... I didn't mark that down, but I do remember that. <laughs> that was us. Uh... <laughs> so we get to the Saturday party. Right away, Barney's girl is back after he gives this speech of how he took care of business on the roof. You're right, that roof was awesome, and now I won't have to see her again, and then she pops up. Yeah, but now and then he has a terrible Marshall-esque comment about the roof being on fire, and it's so cheesy. It's bad, but do you know where that comes from? Yeah, some song. Yeah, it was a rap song in either the late 70s or early 80s. And, you know, I thought it was Sugar Hill Gang, because they were sort of the big rap band of the of the 70s. They were sort of the first famous ones that got recorded and released. In the 70s? It, Are you sure you're right on that? I think the 80s. But it was... I read that it was the rock master. It was someone called Rockmaster Scott and the Dynamic Three. Now that might be Sugar Hill Gang, but at any rate, it's one of the the Roof is on Fire is one of the oldest rap songs that exist. Nevertheless, it was very cheesy. It was <laughs> cheesy, and it was it's referenced a lot in things over the last fifty years since whenever that song came out. Not fifty, but right. last forty years since yeah. that song came out. So it's it's a it's a trope that movies and TV comes back to a lot. I've seen it in many different things. But yeah, it certainly doesn't work here. Barney's not good at delivering it. No. It's it's a cringeworthy moment and not in a good and not in a good curb your enthusiasm way. Right. And we do get now that we finally get a, the hint of Barney's character and pretty much who he is, which is, you know, his MO is to pick up a girl, sleep with her, move on, you know, come up with some scam. I guess this scam was Oh, we're, you know, hooking up because we're on the roof. You know, his scams get much more elaborate down the road. Or he, did, well, first of all, he didn't think they'd have a second party. So there would be no reason for him to even bump into her anywhere. Right. But it's just like that, what he gets into, it's like that's just who his character is. He's constantly trying to hook up and not be in relationships and just have one night encounters. Um, but, Agreed. You know, works with Carlos Girl is there again and immediately and calls him sweetie. Right, and then we get into one of those too often used sitcom tropes where his reaction is sweetie, really, but she doesn't react to that right. as though she doesn't hear him. And these kind of things happen all the time. I'm not sure how how bad this show is about doing this all the time, but I this is very sitcom-y is. Yeah. To, to have someone say something and, and if she actually heard him, she might be defensive and say, oh... You're right, it's too soon for that. Or, right. or oh, come on, you know, we just had sex. I can't call you sweetie. But at any rate, so they did it. It's done. We can move past that part now. So Barney's got to figure out a way to get rid of her. And <laughs> what does he do to get rid of her? He pulls a Ted. And he, this, ha this all happens off screen, of course. No, I thought don't, they don't flash to it. No, I don't think so. Oh, no, maybe they do. Like, he talks about it, and I think they flash to it real quick. I'm feeling like they didn't, but you might be right. It's not that important. But right. it later on, this becomes called the Ted, quote-unquote, the, the Ted Mosby <laughs> or the Ted. But it's basically telling a girl, I love you. Way, way too soon. Way, way too soon. And we've it, this kind of thing could backfire, but it doesn't here. And um, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever had a guy do a, a way premature I love you? Yes. <laughs> do tell um it was when I was like 16 it, not much of a story it was just a <laughs> you get a bit of a pass as a kid yeah when you're in your 20s and 30s it's, yeah. it can be very awkward but when you're very young you, you know if you get that thank you back in your <laughs> 20s and 30s it's really rough I had a girl do that to me 
we were sort of, we were, it was between eighth and ninth grade, and we had sort of a little summer, a short-lived summer fling, where I'd go over to her house while her mom was at work, and we'd, you know, make out and stuff. It wasn't, you know, we're, we were 13, and we didn't get all that serious, but after a couple times of this, well, the interesting, the interesting thing is, I would go with my friend over to her house, and he would make out with her, and I'd just be there. <laughs> and it was pretty awkward. I'd like to be sitting on the floor playing solitaire or something while they're making out in her bed. And then he moved, his family moved to Florida, but I was kind of jealous of the situation. And so I started calling her and being the one to go over and make out with her. After a couple of times, <clears throat> we'd be talking on the phone occasionally at this point, And she said to me on the phone, I love you. And I was, no one had ever, no girl had ever said <laughs> that to me, obviously. I was 13. And I completely froze. It was it was sitcom the way I froze. I didn't go hum on a hum on a hum or anything like that. But I was completely shocked. I didn't know what to say. And I, I don't think I said thank you. But it was something like I'm not sure what to say about that. And then she accused me of, well, maybe I'm just, uh, this is just a relationship of convenience for you. And my, like when I look back on it, I would have loved, when I look back on it, I would love to have said, been, been mature enough to say, well, yeah, I mean, but it's actually not that convenient because I have to take a bike or skateboard or walk <laughs> about four miles to get to your house. So, you know, it's not that convenient. If that, oh, middle school. I don't know if that's better or worse. That's funny. So we, we skip to the next day. Robin doesn't show up again. Yes. And another. Oh. <laughs> So, I, so I love this show. I absolutely love the show, but man, these early episode Marshalls are so hard to get through. It's just so cheesy, and, and I can't wait till it ends. Too. Yeah, no, it's so much Marshall. They have them take some pretty big swings in these first two episodes, and they don't hit. No, and I think they will have to kind of track. Do they sort of tone back, I or they just get they, better at writing it? I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know. We'll see. They they start to create some nice quirks for Marshall as we go along. His sort of belief in UFOs. Oh yeah, along he those definitely lines. a great and, character. But yeah, whatever they're trying here early on is just not working. And so everybody wanged, everybody chunged, and now the kid has got to write his paper. And him's calling himself the kid. That that continues past this episode. I believe just, so. I guess I we'll think, see. I don't think it's quite as. Ubiquitous is Vanilla Thunder, but I think the kid comes back. Vanilla Thunder's good though. Yeah. And Big Fudge. And Big which Fudge. which are some eventual <laughs> nicknames for him. Yeah. And then they have a, they followed up immediately with another bad um cheesy joke, which is Marshall making making Lily swear you know, I, right. I will not have sex with Marshall, and then Ted says it in unison with her. Right. As if he was talking to both of them. So ha ha ha, not very not so great. And not good sitcom. So, Robin calls Ted, and he goes for the whole, oh, hi, and he goes with one name, and then he oh, says, wait, oh, wait, no. I thought you were so-and-so, and goes with another fake name, yeah. and this time, it's too much. This time, you can see on her face, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's enough. And then she's not really, I think when he said, we're having another party tonight, it sounded believable. Like, oh, yeah, we might just have a second party. That's good. Mm-hmm. But then when he tries to sell this third party where the party keeps rolling, right. it does sound fake. And I think at this point she must know. You would think. I mean, not many people have parties on Sunday nights. And then he has a cringeworthy joke. Oh, it's so bad. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. 
And then he turns around, who am I? Very poor writing, I think. It is, but at least he, it's one of those two that they recognize and he's calling himself out like, okay, I'm being ridiculous. I think it would the joke would have worked better if he said it and then looked over the gang confidently like he was doing well and had them <laughs> look at him like, "Are you? what's wrong with you? Like horrified. I think that would have played better yeah. if I had to rewrite that scene. So they get they cut to the Sunday party. The girl's back again. <laughs> the girl's back, but hardly anybody else is there. And it's the same trope again of, who's Carlos? And she just doesn't react to it. She's kind of like, I know I hurt you, but you don't have to be mean to me. <laughs> it's just sort of this disconnect as though they're having two different conversations right. and she doesn't hear his accusations to her. So nobody met Carlos over this <laughs> three-day party? Not yet. And even at this point, I'm kind of keeping track of it because I still don't see him. Right. Because when he yells, in the who's Carlos, that could have been a time for him to say, Or like, I'm just Carlos. see somebody trying to like pop up. And yeah. That would have been a good one because then at least we could sort of see back to it of, oh, There's there Carlos. he was. He looked up. Or was, was drinking and couldn't answer their, you know, to the who's Carlos. But they, I, I kind of like the scene of Robin then popping in as Marshall saying, you know, this is idiotic. Mar- Robin's not coming. And then they flash behind him and there's Where Robin right she? there. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, Ted at no time signals Marshall to, to hush, hush, hush. Maybe he couldn't see her because she was sort of on the other side of Marshall. Yeah. But I think it was just more... He didn't have time, or he didn't know how to react. He sort of froze as he's doing this. Yeah, so Marshall's looking for his big-ass book. Did you write down the name of the book? No, I was going to, but I thought, you know what? It really doesn't matter. It's something <laughs> I think something with tort law between 1873 <laughs> right. and 1925, something like that. So he goes off to look for that. So I wonder, I know you didn't go to law school, but do you think law books are really that specific? I, I think they probably are. Oh, I know... That sounds miserable. I, I don't think, you know, the, I don't think the bar exam or... Your LSAT, or not LSAT, because that's what you take to get into mm-hmm. to law school. But I don't think the bar exam or anything like that, or your has any of those kind of things in it. But I, I wouldn't really be the one to know. But right. I do know that they have to deal a lot with how our precedence is set. Right. And when you're arguing a law decision, when you're arguing your case, you're constantly having to use. You have to cite yeah, case law. Yeah, you have to cite precedence. And so I think a lot of what they do is just learn a lot of precedents. And then they explore why was this done? What was the atmosphere of which this decision was made so that you can sort of learn from it and get a sense of, well, what, how times are now? Are, are they similar? Are they different? How do I make this argument around this this law decision? But at any rate... But how's Marshall going to do that? Because his book has been used as a coaster. Yes, he's very upset about all this. And this is around the same time that we get that Robin's there... So he just kind of drops the book and decides to go into the room with Lily. To, I love that he just like, has no response and just leaves. Yeah, it was that was actually a really well done scene. <laughs> and Ted's just like, uh. All right, so now we finally get to oh, I, you know, Ted's trying to convince her. Oh, I didn't want you here for me. Now none of this is believable. I, I'm right. sure she didn't believe any of this, but I was here for. And then Barney grabs someone and just pushes him <laughs> forward. I was here to introduce you to this guy. And, uh, have you met? <laughs> and then the guy is Carlos. And who is playing Carlos? John Barenthal. Yes. John, is it Barenthal? It's it's spelled Bernthal, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm going Barenthal. I have no idea. Do you know the funnest fact ever about John Barenthal? This was his first acting credit? Could be, but uh, that's not the funnest fact. No, then I don't know the funnest fact. 
So I don't know if it's dangerous to reveal where we live. I think we can be a little... You already said D.C. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, we're, we're actually in a suburb in Maryland outside D.C. called Potomac. We live in the Cabin John area. Okay, I don't know we need to get that specific. <laughs> Nevertheless, John Barenthal grew up in Cabin John, Maryland. No way. Yes, he did. He's, that is a fun fact. He would have gone to Churchill High School, which we live across the street from. Now you're just inviting stalkers. <laughs> We're the house directly across the street. <laughs> Don't look at any other houses in that area. We're right across the street. <laughs> yeah, all that's getting cut. <laughs> so uh, he would have lived within two miles of us, essentially. He, he, he actually went to a private school in D.C. How old was he? He would have been in high school in mid to late 80s. I'm sorry, mid to late 90s. Oh, so yeah, potentially you guys... Could have crossed paths if he was a wrestler. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that because I was coaching high school at that time. I was an assistant coach at Einstein, where I went to high school, and we were in a tournament every year where his high school was there. And there was one really good kid from that school, but none, none other. And it wasn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he was an athlete. Um, I did read some, up a little bit on what his high school years were, but I don't think. He apparently got into a lot of trouble, and you can kind of get a sense of that from his the kind of characters he plays. Yeah, so I have that written down that he's like <laughs> looks so young and sweet. And for anybody that doesn't, the name doesn't sound familiar. Um, you know, this is Shane from The Walking Dead. I know he was he's on the Punisher now. The Punisher was he on Daredevil too, and then he got spun off, or was it? Yeah, he was in okay. Dare, the second season of Daredevil. Got spun. Off. He was the Punisher in it, although he became the Punisher in it. And then he got his own Punisher show, which I'm not sure. I feel like Netflix has dropped all of the Marvel shows now or something. I can't say that with 100% certainty. But I know Daredevil's been canceled. I'm not right. sure about Punisher. I know Iron Fist. There's, there was a few of them that were, that were, that were canceled already. And I feel like they shed, they shed themselves of all Mar- those Marvel shows. Yes, but yeah, he plays some pretty dark characters, so it's kind of funny to see him with long hair and cheesy mid two thousands outfit. And he was very, he's very handsome. He's very good looking. Oh man. yeah, but his he was doing a little too much body acting. <laughs> I noticed. Like that. when he was walking, he sort of the ladder. Yeah, he'd sort of like be swishing back and forth, <laughs> like a Mister Cool Guy walk. It was he's Carlos. It was a little distracting, but and using the ombre sure thing, right. ombre. This is the first of two times, I believe, that we will hear Ombre used. Or maybe three. But we'll get there. Uh, Peace, Ombre. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there at the end of season one, actually. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if that's anything we would have really cared about if not for it being somebody who then, you know, turned into a moderately successful actor. Yeah, but this is one of the best things about going back to a show. Right. Seeing where everybody ends up. Or rather, noticing that... We did obviously wouldn't have known who he was at the right. time, but catching somebody and I love doing this to you. I think I I, <laughs> I get to do it more than you get to do it to me somehow. Right. Probably because I watch a little more older TV, watch a little more newer TV. Right. But I'll often find somebody that we like <laughs> now that was in something ten years ago in a in a role that we wouldn't have remembered, and say, "Hey, Jen, come here, come here." This? And you're usually in the middle of something, but I can't. I can't do anything until you come and see it. Yes, the number of times I've had to get out of our bed when I'm trying to sleep <laughs> to come downstairs and watch the Dude, you're seconds. talking about bed on this podcast? <laughs> Why would Sleeping you do in that? The bed is fine. That is appropriate PG podcast discussion. Oh, this isn't this isn't <laughs> Rob Cesarino and you can't cuss and you can't 
talk about. I mean, I don't want to get political on this podcast, oh, God, but. But obviously, like, there are podcasts we like where some of them are go overboard with the cursing. But And I like that they don't curse a lot in uh, right. Rob Cicernino's podcast. But I don't think we need to be that clean. The, there, there aren't going to be teenagers listening to this for certain. There could be. Maybe they want to know how Ted met the mother. Well, maybe they want to know how to pick up a girl in Las Vegas. Maybe. So here's here's where we get into what I was talking about the metaphor because Ted's trying to decide does he want to go up to the roof where now Robin and Carlos are and disrupt them and sort of pledge his intentions to to Robin and he's starting to picture the claw dropping the purple giraffe and then the kid deciding to climb into the yeah, so this is all imagined because he wasn't there exactly but he's they're clearly trying to be clever here and draw a metaphor between. Yeah. Uh, the claw dropping the giraffe being equivalent to him ruining things with Robin and then having the alternate choice is to go through the gift door. And so the window is the gift door. Yeah. It's it's, a little too ham-fisted, in my opinion. It's a bit forced. I don't think I noticed that before. If I did, it didn't stick in my brain. Yeah, I I definitely didn't notice it before this rewatching. Recently, but it, it's it's certainly clear now that when when you watch it for the fiftieth time, so we finally see the roof, which I do have marked down as like, hey, it's the roof. The roof is a <laughs> somewhat recurring scene set. It is, and it's not a nice roof, but the but the view's nice. Yeah, but you know, interesting things happen up there. We come back to the roof a few times throughout the series. Yeah, one of the fun facts that I actually read online, which I wasn't going to mention, but. I think I will now, is that, and it's not that much of a coincidence or a callback, but Barney, you know, is talking to Ted and said, what's so great about the roof during this episode? The roof is where Barney ends up proposing to Robin in the later seasons. That's right. And so that's somewhat, I don't know if there's supposed to be any linkage between the two, but it was mentioned, I think, on IMDb or something. Sometimes their facts aren't that interesting, but. (laughs) I found it interesting. Maybe someone else will. So, Robin and Ted are up on the roof, and Carlos he, has been excused. Yeah, and that's when he says, oh, "No problem, hombre," <laughs> and then saunters off. Is sauntering the best? Can you think of anything yes. better than saunter? <laughs> sauntering, and he does like a, like a weird move as he like goes to get up on the ladder. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. He's he's sort of swishing. He's really making the most of his his thirty seconds of screen time total. I really need to see if this was his first. Credit. We have a back and forth between Robin and Ted, and I don't want to get into all of this because it's it's sort of boilerplate, but it's just him trying to convince her that they should be together, and then her saying, well, I'm just not in that place. You're giving me that look. Yeah. And quite frankly, she's given them more or less the same look throughout the show so far, but she's right. He seems ready to settle down, and she's not, so why lead him on? Yeah, and I'm... Back and forth on this, where it's like, at one point, it's like, she's being very clear. Like, she does not, she's not looking for anything serious. She doesn't even know she wants to get married. But she's clearly into him. And so it's like, all right, well, what's fair? And she actually, I I think she, she says something that is pretty much like, you know, spoils things down the road, which is, okay, we're either going to get married, which I don't want, or I'm going to break your heart. True. Although it doesn't exactly play out that way, but yeah, 
this this is the resonating theme. I do like, or one thing that made me think of the conversations we would have is, you know, he talks about their future and, um, you know, taking their kids to a soccer game. Or she she says, you want you want to marry him and take kids to the soccer game. He says, I will not force them to play sports unless they're interested. And that sounds like something we would have talked about. Of, yes. You know, at what point do we sort of push them into a sport? And the example usually is wrestling because I would love for him to become a wrestler. But I can't, you can't force a kid into that because that's a really hard sport and it's a hard sport to enjoy and it's only for certain kind of people I think yeah so but now that he's a little bit older I gotta say I don't see him being a wrestler we'll see I mean I would have said the same thing about our nephew David because he had a really horrible time of it early on he was not an aggressive kid he was a very passive kid and now he's being very successful at the sport at age 13 age 12 and 13 so so my my de- in, internal debate is, well, what if he's getting to like 12 and he just doesn't want to do any sports, but he's not really doing something to replace a sport? I sort of feel like there's got to be some level of encouragement to get him doing a, a team activity. Well, get him really to try a few different to another things. parenting podcast. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, no, it is. We but wouldn't be the I only mean... podcast to talk about parenting. <laughs> right. It has nothing to do with the actual topic. Oh, in this case, it's how I met your mother. So there is parenting. That's true. So this will be our parenting segment. Don't force your kids into sports. No, but... Although our kid does like soccer. At what point do you try to get them to try something? Yeah, no, I think all... Mo- I shouldn't say all, but I would say a majority of kids have something that they're interested in. I in my first marriage, my brother-in-law was a few years older than me. He was about three years older than me, and he was a lawyer, and he was a very good student, a smart guy, and a little bit overweight. And he was sort of a chunky kid too. Not not no one would have called him fat, but he wasn't thin, lean as most kids are growing up. And his mom, my mother-in-law at the time, told me that he was so confident, overly confident, or cocky. I think she even said that she made him do sports just to bring him back down to earth because he wasn't very athletic. You see a situation where we'd have to do that to Tyler. Oh He's getting a little too I mean, big Tyler's for his bridges. I mean, kid. Let's, let's <laughs> stick him into, into a, onto a sports field. Just to be uh, upfront, our, our child at this point is not very athletic. And part of it is he, he, he's a little small for his age, but also... When we have him out playing soccer, he listens better than the other kids, but the other kids can run and kick at the same time. He can kick the ball, run to it, kick it, run to it. He's not really embraced swimming yet, despite having swim lessons. He, he, I'm trying to teach him to run and to pump his arms, and he still kind of flails <laughs> them. And ball throwing has not been successful so far, although I, I really need to spend time with him to show him how to do it. But point being, our kid is not the most athletic thing, although he's extremely intelligent. I'm just looking back at we might need to record this little segment and be like, <laughs> to take to Tyler's first therapy session. Well, I think by the time he's listening to these things, um, he'll be much, much older. But are you <laughs> saying that be we're... a really good athlete or <laughs> be like, see, even when I was five, it was not for me. Well, I like to look at our nephew, David, who had sort of similar attributes a lot of brains not as much athleticism and now he's performing very well as an athlete 
So uh, I try and keep it all in perspective. Well, Tyler's good at lots of things, so he'll figure it out. So Ted concedes that he can't turn off his attraction. He can't turn off that thing that makes him want to really settle down with her and move very quickly. So they decide to just be friends. And again, I don't know why Ted can't just be like, yes, we'll date. We don't have to. I don't have to focus on, like, you're going to be the girl I'm going to marry. Like, why don't we date for a little bit? See how it goes. Yeah, in in a normal world, he would just quell that inner monologue he has having to get out that he this is the woman he wants to marry, that he's going to end right. up marrying. He could have just kept that to himself and started dating and seen how it went. Right. It's funny because we were at my office Christmas party a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and there was a very inebriated early 20-something girl who dates an early 20-something guy in our office, and she was telling us too many things. I'm not even that close to her at work, but she sort of revealed things to us about her relationship with this guy that... Um, maybe she wouldn't have done if she hadn't had so many drinks. And she really described, you know, what a great couple they are. And then we had a subsequent conversation <laughs> with him where he's sort of like, uh, if, you know, I, I wonder what's going to happen when she starts to recognize that I don't want to get married and don't want to have kids. Yeah. And this was my first time meeting anybody that Steve works with. So if I didn't know up front, I would have been pretty sure that, they were talking about different relationships. Right. It was it, it was in itself somewhat sitcomy. Oh yes. But it was, it was very reminiscent about this show where I think she's sort of the Ted, but I don't know if she, I, I I haven't never dug deep enough to find out if she's already talking to him about hey one day when we're married and have kids. Right. And I feel like we got to play a really good smug married couple where it was like, oh, these crazy kids and their remember early when we, 20s hijinks. Remember when we were that age? <laughs> well, when we were having discussions about whether we wanted to get married. So we're back at McLaren's because they decided to be friends and let's start the friendship right now. <laughs> Carlos is at the bar making out with works with Carlos. Girl. Oh, yeah. And Barney's a little bit jealous. <laughs> yes. And, you know, what does he have that I don't? And again, a little sitcom. You have all of a sudden he likes her because he can't have her. Well, this is a, another character trait of Barney. He wants what he can't have. Oh, yeah. Maybe he wasn't done playing with her. <laughs> they, get, they get very little, yeah, literal <laughs> with that later on. But And then Robin has a so-so burn that, you know, what does he have that I doesn't? She said to date. On Saturday night, and he's and like, Ooh. yeah, and he says he gives sort of a not so great. I don't know if I like her or not. Again, very sitcommy, but and very cheesy. I don't hate it. I don't like it, but it gets again. Things get better. I will keep repeating that that mon, mon what's the word I'm looking mantra. Yes, it, it's gonna get better. Um, but again, compared to Marshall's line in like a minute, it's. <laughs> a brilliant piece of writing. Are you talking about? I'm gonna. The kid's gonna have a beer. Then he's gonna have enough. That no, that I, I that I was fine with. Um, it was the Rufus Trufus. Oh God! And I then can't. they laugh. And then he so laughs at his own joke. And they all laugh with him. My name is Rufus, and that's the Trufus. Oh, it's, why? What are they doing to this guy? <laughs> I'm really surprised he's a sequel stayed on the show. Yeah, because he has such a great career following this. Oh, man. And during this, for that matter. I can just see him reading the script and being like, oh my god, guys, why? This is <laughs> I funny. I have to say this? I was on Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> so. But the kid gets a B-. minus. So. Right. And so, here's another thing that I've sort of 
and it's not just these first couple episodes, but as we go along, Wesleyan, where Marshall Lillian and Ted go, went to college, is a pretty damn good school. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of at that. It's a small school, so I, I want to compare it to like a UVA or actually it's like a William and Mary. Like you have to be really smart to get into it. You've had right. to have gotten good grades and probably twelve fifty SATs minimum somewhere around that neighborhood. They don't seem that smart to me. I mean, Ted's an architect. That's not easy. Marshall got accepted to Columbia Law and becomes a really good lawyer. Right. They've got the resumes, but they still don't seem that bright to me. Now, there certainly is a difference when you, you know, kind of go through the things they know and don't know. And there's a big difference between Ted and Marshall versus Lily, Robin, and and. Barney. Mm -hmm. Like, there's clearly, like, a knowledge level difference. And I think Ted does come off a lot smarter as he's quoting... uh, (laughs) Dante. Yeah, Dante in in its original Italian. But then he doesn't know how to pronounce chameleon. And he's got a lot of blind spots and and moments where... As we all do. He just doesn't seem very bright. Well, I didn't go to Wesleyan, you know? I went to a a very, you know, just above average state state college. Um, But... Marshall, especially Lily, I just can't see Lily having gone to Wesleyan, and she was this sort of goth chick in high school, and I just, it's hard to measure her as this intelligent, bright kid that went to a very, hard to get into school, but we'll we'll put that aside. Lily's sort of street smart, or or she's uh, relationship smart, at least. Yeah, and I don't know if we ever actually know what Lily went to school for. I mean, she is a teacher, but then she always talked about, like, oh, I was just teaching to support my art. <laughs> so, like, did she go to Wesleyan to be a teacher? Because that sounds expensive. Well, and... Is that, like, her family had money that we can tell? Going to school to be a teacher is very intensive. I mean, the, the courses aren't necessarily that difficult, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of oh, credits yeah. you got to get for it. And at University of Maryland, becoming a teacher was, like, a five-year program. Yeah, no, I'm not knocking, you know, teachers by any means, but... It's one of those, like, do you go to a really fancy school to get a teaching degree, knowing that you're not going to make a ton of money? I had, you know, I was the captain of my its academic team, which is the, the quiz team that we compete against other schools. And my, my physics teacher was our sponsor that would help. He was our coach, our sponsor, what have you. And he went to Johns Hopkins. And I was always wondering, you know, Johns Hopkins was like one of the most expensive schools, at least when my brother went to it, when my older brother went to it. And this guy, you know, you spend all that money and then you become a teacher. Although He's like Walter White. Although all the money that your college cost and you were going to become a social worker. I wasn't going to become a social worker. I was going to become a psychologist. Oh, that's true. Okay. Good point. Neither of those things happened, but <laughs> fine. But, my but, school wasn't that expensive. But you did meet the man of your dreams. I did. If you had gone a different path, that might not have happened. That's exactly true. If I did not go to that school, I would not have met you. I, I like Robin's top, the shirt I, she's wearing. It's one of those. Attention. Yeah, it's in the last. You know, it's in the last party scene, in the last bar scene. It's sort of one of those. It's got sort of that glossiness that makes it look like a lingerie top almost. Oh yeah, no, that was pretty. I remember women used to wear those a lot of shirts, like mm-hmm. tank tops that looked like lingerie tops. I had some of those. Did you? Yeah. I like those. Those were a nice look for the ladies. Yeah, I think those are out of style now. No, yeah. Um, another thing I noticed that 
they're drinking they're all drinking beer from pitchers. Yeah, I noticed earlier in the episode they all had big tall glasses of beer. I can't remember what they drink down the road, but that just seems it's scotch. out of it's scotch, it's gin and tonics or vodka tonics. Yeah, so I don't remember like always that. seeing beer at the table. It just kind of looked out of place. I feel like Lily drinks a lot of wine later mm, on. Probably. I think Marshall is probably the only one that sticks with the beer path. Mm. And it ends ultimately with Robin doing the how have you met Ted line and introducing him to a girl at a bar after she says, you know, you're a real catch. And but so that I'm, doesn't go anywhere. So no, and I'm, I'm kind of glad they start to phase out the "Have you met?" It was fun. I think it, it was kind of. It was never funny. It was almost clever, but like we need a way for a wingman to introduce another right. wingman, and I think this was just the best they came up yeah. with. And it, it's okay. I like it. It's fine. So ultimately, much better in my opinion than. The last episode, we jumped up 60 spots from the last episode, but we still have a long way to go. And yes. all in all, season one, I haven't, I'll eventually rank by season and say <laughs> which seasons I think are the best, but it's going to be something like three, then four, then five, then six, then one, then seven, then eight, then something like that, because it, it really does sort of a bell curve kind of thing where it starts off very low and it gets very, very high. And then has a very horrible drop in the last couple seasons. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen probably seasons one through five a lot. I feel like I haven't seen as much in repeats of, you know, six, seven, eight, and nine. Especially not nine. I was trying so to remember. it kind of like a new rewatch for me. I was trying to remember before we, when, when we first started back up on this and decided to do this. Like, when did it start to really fall off? And I thought it was just like season eight. But really, like halfway through season six and season seven, aren't very good. Oh, and that's season nine's almost good because you're starting to get to know the who the mother is, right? And so that at least makes it interesting, and we start to get some conclusions and there's some nice callbacks. But yeah. ultimately, it just falls way off. And unfortunately, you know, I think I've spoken about this on on the last podcast, but it it's one of the worst precipitous falls of a show and you could start to see why towards the last couple seasons they kept talking about canceling it oh did they i don't remember that being part of the conversation so this is going to wrap up this podcast i I really appreciate everyone's time and, and the time you spent with us and as we start to get further along we're going to start mentioning what email you can start sending us messages to or what twitter to follow for this and We'll start to put updates there and, and get everything together for you. Where This is our second recording. We actually haven't posted anything yet. By the time we post, we might already be a few recordings in, but that's that's fine. Hopefully, eventually, by the end of season one or two, we'll, we'll have quite a few followers. Yep. Hopefully, we'll be in the swing of things. We've both been really busy with work, so we haven't had as much time to devote to Just really busy. Yeah, really busy right now. So, but we're going to... We'll see, depending on how much free time we have and when we can get everything up and rolling. Hopefully it's before we're done with season one. I'm finding that putting together a website is harder than I... Or actually, no, it's as hard as I imagined it would be. <laughs> it's not terribly hard, it's just time-consuming. Like, I kind of hoped every once in a while I'd be able to go back to it and spend 15 minutes on right. it and accomplish something else. But what really happens is I go back in, it takes me 14 minutes to find where 
I want to work on next. And then I'm going to start it. And then I come back to it another time and it's like, um, okay, now I'm starting it, but I don't know how to put this thing in here or so we'll get there. And I'm not, I'm not going to be terribly upset if we don't have the website up before we start actually posting yeah, that's true. these on, on a site. But I have not tried to create a website since like GeoCities. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to... My knowledge is... You, you can go into the same thing I'm going into and work right. on it at the same time I am, I, I'm thinking. At any rate, uh, next the next recording will be episode three, The Sweet Taste of Liberty. We've already sort of spoiled that neither one of us like this episode. No, it's so really we're going to trudge through it. And while Jen gets ready to sign us off... Oh, I forgot. I have my sign-off ready. Not ready enough, even though I tried to signal you. Yeah, I didn't know what you were talking about. So, this is going to be a reference to something that comes down the road, but it makes me laugh. So, this is going to be our sign-off from here on out. But you're not supposed to laugh as you say it. I'm going to try really hard to say it seriously. And it's going to be really exciting when we actually get to the episode where this shows up, but I think it's pretty far away. So, listeners, may the road ahead be lit with dreams and tomorrows, which are lit with dreams also. (laughs) Is there more? There is more. It's not as good. Stand tall, New York. Trustworthy. Recycling. Wear a condom. Maybe every week you could add another thing (laughs) in. Weird thing. Maybe replace wear a condom with something else, like... We'll, we'll come up with something every week that I've heard last things like trustworthy and stuff. We'll do something topical. We'll see. We'll 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 workshop it a little bit. That sounds good. And also vote for women. Oh, you want to get political? <laughs> I think voting for women's always good. You just don't always have to. Never mind. All right. Well, that was my one thing for this week. We're in the middle of a government shutdown. So that is my topical edition. The views of this podcast do not necessarily align with the views of Jennifer Runkle, although, yes, vote women, but don't necessarily vote one party or the other. All right, thank you. Yeah, and don't use the words panties or horny. Thank you. That is my public service announcement. So long, folks. Thank you.